mercy that comes through the gospel of Jesus. And I hope that you understand that personally. This week, I'm going to ask you to listen, but I'm going to ask you to do something. So these next three weeks are, are weeks of attention, but then of action. And so I'll be teaching and kicking off a brief uh, message on the tenets of short-term missions, and then we'll have Reed Saunders here to encourage us about having a global perspective. And then, Lord willing, as Pastor Justin continues to heal, he will be preaching the third sermon when he then uh, will talk to us about conversations with Paul, an amazing missionary that we read about in the New Testament. And so before we get started this morning, you know, actually Salem Heights Church is an international church. I don't know if you knew this. Salem Heights Church is an international church, and we have some wonderful guests. And so uh, if Debbie Holt and Francis would please uh, stand up. This is Francis. Everyone give Francis a warm welcome. Thank you, Francis. Francis is from East Asia, and she has an amazing testimony uh, at uh, one point in her life, uh, uh, a young woman of business that was becoming very prominent and is very prominent, but what made her more special was that she got saved in Jesus, and the Lord has continued to use her in amazing ways that there is no way that uh, she could get in there on her own. It's because of her Savior, and so she's a wonderful servant. And then also, Pierre and Lorphine, you please stand up. You may be seated. Pierre and Lorphine will be here for about seven days, and Pierre and Lorphine and their th three children are visiting with us, and we have been blessed to partner with them even before they started their orphanage and their school and their church in Haiti. We began to establish relationship with them as we first met them at a Bible conference years ago, and their family has grown, their ministry has grown, and so they're going to be in the States for about two months getting a little rest, but really going and visiting lots of churches. And so this is one of the top spots that they wanted to visit. And so this uh, afternoon after the second service, if you'd like to join us for a potluck, we're going to be in room 200, as many people that we could fit in there, whether you've met them or been on the mission field with them before or you would just like to get to meet them. I encourage you to approach them, especially after the service, because we'll have a display there for missions, and we're going to give information. We're going to give information for the next three years. The next three years of what we believe the Lord is leading us to do as we continue to emphasize missions. If you look at your notes, I'd like to begin by reading the introduction. And in this introduction, it is a reference out of a book called Radical. If we were left to ourselves with the task of taking the gospel to the world, we would immediately begin planning innovative strategies and, plan and plotting elaborate schemes. We would organize conventions, develop programs, and create foundations. But Jesus is so different from us. With the task of taking the gospel to the world, he wandered through the streets and byways. All he wanted was a few men who would think as he did, love as he did, see as he did, teach as he did, and serve as he did. All he needed was to revolutionize the hearts of a few and they would impact the world. An early convert and follower of Christ, Philip was such a man. The question for us is, are we? What can we learn from observing Philip? 
Well, normally when we are teaching about missions, we, we of course launch from a passage such as Matthew chapter 28. And in Matthew chapter 28, we read this statement out of 28 verse 18 and following. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Sharing the gospel, the good news, that through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection might bring eternal life. The commission to now go out into the known world at that time and to be ones that were sent. And so we understand that. Well, very quickly in the New Testament, what we see is the original disciples who then became apostles, there weren't going to be enough of them to get all the work done. So early on in Acts, we see when they are going to call an additional seven individuals in the book of Acts. And those seven individuals were going to be known as servants they were going to be really the first deacons. And so of the original disciples, there was a disciple that was named Philip. But now as the church is growing in Acts, these men and women were now sharing about the gospel. Others were coming to faith. And we find ourselves in the book of Acts seeing that the church is growing. The body of Christ is growing. And the emphasis continues to be reaching out and going out to save people within the world. Well, they need help. So they call out seven men, and they commission them to be servants. And of those seven men, there is another man that is named Philip. And so by the time we meet Philip at the beginning of Acts, he is someone that now has come to faith in Jesus Christ by the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that the disciples who became apostles were directed and commanded to go out and share. And so they were fulfilling the great commission in a real and practical way. Others come to faith in Christ. They spend time with the disciples who were often described as ones that had been with Jesus. People could identify them as ones that had been with Jesus. There was something about these disciples that are now sharing with the world that others can recognize them as someone that has ministered, followed, that they are disciples of Jesus and that their life, the activity of their life, how they respond to trial, how they interact with people, gives testimony to they've been around Jesus. And so more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And one of those special people was Philip. And if we want to study a little bit more about Philip, we go to Acts chapter 8, because what we see in Acts chapter 8, verses 25 through 40, is that really Philip was an ordinary man. In many senses, Philip, there was nothing special about him. What we then understand, it's really the same thing about all of us. There's really nothing special about us. What's special about us is the great love that the Lord has for us. For while we were yet sinners, he sends his son to die on the cross for us. What's special about us is as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us now not just eternal life, but he gives us 
a role, a father, a loving father that is going to now take care of us, that's going to relate with us. What's special about us is that we're incorporated into the body of Christ, the family of God, and now we have a place where we belong. And then what happens within that family of God, the body of Christ, is what's special about us is we have a confidence, we have a joy, we have a passion for how we got into the family. And what's special about us is then, he says, you now go out. And so Philip is one. Philip is one of these guys. I like to call them crazy guys. Every country that I go to, I meet them. Russia, China, Haiti, Mexico, Guatemala, the Navajo Reservation. Wherever I go, I meet them. Men and women that have been transformed by the gospel, that are willing to put their lives on the, on the edge so that they might now communicate the gospel to others in their community and wherever the Lord might send them. And so Philip is such a man. Let's go to chapter 8. And some of you may be familiar with chapter 8 of Acts. And it says here in verse 25, So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. The first thing we see is Philip, like we, he was sent. God sent him. Now, in this example, he audibly hears the voice of God. And I'm going to tell you that in this word, in the word of God, and if the spirit of God is in you, you and I should understand very clearly that we are like Philip. We are ones that are sent. And that's why in our men's and women's discipleship, we have a class that is called One Sent. But it's not a class that you sit in and learn a whole bunch more Bible and theology. It's one that you take all of the stuff that you've been learning and you live it. So you are ones that are sent. So it's good to continue to learn, but you need to be ones that are sent. And the awesome thing is you're sent right now back into our Salem community. And so Philip is one like this. And if we continue in verse 28, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot, speaking of the Ethiopian. His chariot, I like to think, you know, was that a Cadillac? Was that a Raptor? What, what, what kind of car was that? I mean, it must have been fancy. Not just anyone has a, has a chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. He has a copy of the Bible. And at least what we understand here is he has a copy of, of the section of the the Tanakh, the Old Testament scriptures that contains Isaiah. And you and I know that a lot of what's contained in Isaiah is prophetic, especially about what? Jesus and his first coming. And then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Okay. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which was being read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. 
In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Now, right now, we're kind of cheating a little bit because we've possibly already read that passage. We've read portions of the New Testament, and we go, oh, well, that's about Jesus. But here you have an Ethiopian guy that has come, and it describes him as coming to worship. So he comes all the way from Africa up to the Holy Land to worship. He's really not clear at this point what he's even worshiping. But he has Isaiah, and he's reading it, and, and he asks him, you know, Philip says, what are, you, what are you reading? I don't know. I don't have anyone to explain it to me. So not only was Philip one that was sent, he was sent specifically to share and explain about Jesus Christ. Believer, whether or not you've come to this conclusion or not, the only reason why you are being encouraged from the Word of God from this pulpit every Sunday, and the only reason why we would encourage you to then plug in to any type of a growth group, small group, youth group, is so that you would come to the conclusion that you need Jesus for salvation, and that when you then understand your need for Jesus was totally provided by Him, that then you are encouraged and convicted at the core of your heart and say, sign me up, I'm one that's sent. To do what? To share and to explain about the gospel of Jesus so that more might have eternal life. As you continue to read more, you then see then in verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or someone else? Have you ever been around someone and as you're beginning to explain the gospel to them, they're just starting to get excited? I get excited. I can hardly keep my legs moving. I mean, I'm more already, you know, hyperactive, you know, but I'm, I'm just like, oh, okay, here we go. It's like, this is awesome. They really want to hear the message about Jesus. And can you imagine? He's saying, you know, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. You are sent to share and explain, and at some point you and I need to decide whether or not I think I have the most eloquent words or not. Open my mouth and what? Share and explain. And beginning from the scriptures, that's a good place to start. If you don't know what to say, if Carl doesn't know what to say, share the Bible. Just read the Bible. Let the Word of God permeate their heart and mind. Let the Word of God and Spirit of God transform them through faith. He preached Jesus to him. And the kids have that one down, you know. The kids in the youth ministries, they know that if they're not paying attention and you ask a question, all they do is look up and say, Jesus. That, you know, it's like... So that's like, the word, that's like the word, you know, that's the best answer you could give, you know. So if you're not paying attention and you're falling asleep, you just look up and Carl put me to sleep. Jesus, you're right. Are you sharing it? That's the thing. Okay. Have you come to the conclusion that you were one that is sent to share and explain the message, simple message, Jesus? And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? The only way he would know to ask that question is if Philip explains, and let me tell you what happened. There was a time when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he says, Go out and make disciples. I'm one of them because the disciples told me 
about Jesus. And then we're supposed to baptize those that believe. And we're supposed to now equip them, teach them, train them. And the Ethiopian has come to some conclusion that he wants the gospel. He wants to believe the gospel. And and the natural secondary conclusion is then, I want to be obedient. If I'm going to believe it, I want to live it. It says, what prevents me from being baptized? So he expresses his belief. He was sent to share and explain the message about Jesus. And then belief comes. And then it says here, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. And if Jesus, who was dead three days, can come back to life, then the Heavenly Father can snatch Philip away, and that's the easiest explanation for that miracle. So what's the point? Um, about uh, 2009, in that range, we were relaunching our missions program here at Salem Heights Church. And we prayed a lot about what was really the purpose of relaunching missions here. It wasn't just about being able to have a list and a, and a, you know, a bar graph showing how much money we give towards missions. We wanted it to be an active part of our discipleship that when you are discipled in the Word of God, that you will develop a passion for sharing the gospel and understanding and seeing yourself as one that is sent and that we would equip you with the basic fundamentals of the faith so that you and I could open up our mouth and share with people in Salem, in Oregon, Monument, Arizona, and that circle of locations began to grow, and we had a particular set of goals that we were looking at, and so we've continued to refine those goals. We took a little bit of a break last summer, but we're relaunching already this year, and we want to give you even details about the next three years so that you can begin to pray for yourself and others because we want you to be equipped further to then go out on those trips and begin to pray about how to, how to save up the finances. And, but there's some key ingredients that we continue to pray about that we are convinced will continue to be and must be at the core of our short-term missions here at Salem Heights Church. One of them, top one, evangelism is a key ingredient in a New Testament church. If the church is growing... And if the church is growing, but it is not growing because new believers are coming in, that could potentially be church swap. Church swap. And and all believers from anywhere are welcome here at Salem Heights Church. But what we want to see is the church growing because genuine professions of faith are being made because people believe the gospel because you share the gospel. So then, if evangelism is a key ingredient in the New Testament church, we then understand that then we are, is in partnership with the local indigenous church for the advancement of the gospel and ongoing discipleship when we leave. And that's what we're doing with Pierre and Lorphine in Haiti, where we go there and we share the good news of Jesus, 
but we're also participating in discipleship with men and women there, and they continue on that work and have the expertise to know what it is that their local area there, their culture needs, and we then go underneath their leadership as ones that have responsibility of being elders there and having a church there and saying, what do you need us to do? Sometimes are there construction projects? Yes, but only so that we could rub shoulders with other men and develop relationship and share the good news with them. But a majority of the work that we're doing there is relational, working hard all day long, and then in the evenings having tons and tons of young people come in for hours and hours of discipleship. We're literally sometimes studying the Bible with them for three hours, and then we have to say, okay, it's time for us to go to sleep. And some of them say, well, can I just sleep here? And they sleep under the edges of the, of the, of the church there so that they can be there the next morning because they want to learn more. They want to learn more. The Navajo Reservation, that there are now generations of individuals that we could go back and we see that not only did they believe in Jesus, but they continue to walk in Jesus. And it is not that they don't have life struggles or even struggle in their own internal heart with obedience. The next thing is evangelism is the capstone of our discipleship. If we are really preaching and training you and I in settings of small groups, growth groups, in discipleship, then you and I are naturally growing. And if we're growing, it would naturally then lead to that you would be discipling people, you would be evangelizing people wherever you're at. And sometimes it's on a special trip where you might go for seven days or ten days, and other times it's on public transportation as you go from one part of the city to the next, or in your neighborhood, or in your family, but that the capstone to discipleship is we are so in love with Jesus that we must share the truth about the gospel to anyone that would listen. And that is now a life calling. That is a life purpose. That's not just something that we say, well, we're training only for this trip, and I, I know how to say a few verses, and then I go and do that for three days, and then I come back home to Salem, and then from then on, I'm like a top-secret Christian. No. No top-secret Christians. Evangelism is the capstone of our discipleship. Evangelism is focused on gospel sharing and discipling that we actually, with our words, take people to the Word of God, and sometimes we might even have to train ourselves and our teams to speak some of the language, and then other times we take translators with us, but that we would be sharing the gospel and that we would be discipling there, and that when we then leave, others are discipling. But here's the cool thing. Over the years, then, we get to go back, many of us, and then we get to meet those folks again and see what the Lord has been doing in their life to grow them. That's amazing. I don't have a picture for this one example, but we, um, about 12 years ago, did a VBS in one small town, and there was a little boy there, and um, apparently he presented himself to the Lord for salvation. And so I'm sure that uh, our, Span our Spanish-speaking hosts took his name down, and after that they did follow-up. They would do kind of like a, a Bible camp for one day of the week, every week, 
and they would sing songs and tell more uh, stories from the Word of God. And so, but we really lost in our minds track of who he was, and we were in a a Mexican Walmart buying all of our supplies, and one of the participants from uh, the trip who stands out because he was, you know, he he looked like you guys, and he's like 6'2", so, you know, he he stood out in Mexico, let's say. So this guy comes up to him, this young man comes up to him and say, hey, who are you? What are you doing? Oh, well, we're from the United States, and well, where are you from? Well, Oregon, Oregon, and what are you doing here? We're, we're doing VBS, and at where? Boyeros, that's where I'm from. And he looked at us, and I walked over there, and he goes, I got saved at your VBS. What are you doing now? Oh, my family sent me, and I'm going to the seminary over, and he described the seminary, and then when I finish the seminary, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be a pastor. And we're like, we had not seen that kid for how many years? Because ongoing discipleship was being accomplished there. Evangelism can transform you and your home. We are confident that participating in evangelism and missions, all of the prep that it takes, all of the emphasis to rely upon the Lord is going to do something in you and I. And if you have family, if you have children, one of the things that we now can give testimony to Justin and I and Matt and some of the other guys now as we have kids that are now leaving the nest is that when we serve together with them, dad still gets grumpy on a long trip, but the kids see genuine faith lived out. There's something that occurs between the family that they go, we're not a perfect family and maybe we get impatient, but we're going that same direction, and we also are passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus. And the best plan to um, prevent a loss of faith in our children is not necessarily to indoctrinate them with all kinds of information, but to give them the basics and then say, and then come with me and let's go live it Let's go love on people. Let's be challenged and grow together. And then that develops thriving relationship in them so that then when our children leave the home, they're not committed to the Chica family household. They're committed to Jesus. And a lot of research is showing now that it is a vibrant faith. Even the secular community is looking at it. It is a vibrant faith faith that the youth of today continue to live after they leave the home, and we're convinced of that. So I'd like to show you some folks. This first picture, well, some of you might recognize it. This is Becky, and um, Becky Holt, and she grew up in our youth ministries, and Becky... um, decided that she uh, was invited to go to East Asia, and she was part of Campus Crusade down in Southern California. And so this is the first prayer card that she sent and came to present to the elders, at which time, and, and, and her dad reminded me of this story just Friday, that he, she said, and Pastor Carl got emotional because we had been praying, Justin and I had been praying for many years that we would have youth from the youth ministry that would desire to go into missions and she was the first one in fact she was the only one that graduated from her senior class and stuck with the youth ministry all the way through and then next picture 
she meets a crazy guy named Patrick. This is a guy that is crazy for Jesus. When I'm with him, it's like, you know, we're just... He is, he is out there for Jesus. God sovereignly brought them together, both coming from secular schools, and now they live in East Asia with their three children and counting. Uh, uh, is more than three now? Just three, 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 okay. And you can support them, and many of you know them. That's just one example. Next page. There's a gal here on the far right side, the second one in. And um, we took a picture. Gals were coming to VBS to drop off their kids, and the ladies were providing a women's ministry Bible study. The gal, second from the right side in the white shirt, placed her faith in Jesus Christ. We went to that location two times. Eventually, the missionaries that we were working with, Roland and Joanne Smith, continued to drive two and a half hours once a week to do a kids' club there and a women's Bible study. So Roland would watch 20 or 30 kids and play games with them by himself, and Joanne would do a women's Bible study. From there, they then got word from the original church that they had planted 20 years ago that there was a couple that wanted to go into ministry. They brought that indigenous Mexican couple to this location to plant a church. So there's a church there. What's significant about the gal in the white shirt is she... um, has a blended family situation, and um, her significant other um, was uh, not living for the Lord, anger issues, alcohol issues. We didn't meet him. And like six years later, we're in a different location, three hours away from that location, and in they walk, and she introduces me to her husband who has placed his faith in Jesus Christ. Then he said... I know who you are because she told me who you are. We then did baptism, and so we rented a little school, and I baptized uh, about 10 people, and that day I baptized him and his two sons. And we planted those seeds through women's ministry. Our partners in ministry followed through with discipleship, and this lady's life was transformed to the point where her husband, who was an angry, alcoholic man, broke and got saved And now, I still have him on my WhatsApp. He sends me messages a couple times a year to encourage me. Next page. This is a young gal in the Navajo Reservation. Her name is Ashley. And what's significant is we've been in the Navajo Reservation since the early 2000s. These young people come to faith in Christ. They are growing there. And then here's a really cool story because in the next picture you see that not everyone becomes a professional missionary as far as vocationally. But in the next picture, what we're going to see is, and this is our Amanda McCollin, who lives here right in Salem, that has been to the Navajo Reservation. She's been to Mexico. Um, I think she's also been to uh, the Czech Republic. I can't remember all the different places she's been now. But here's the cool thing. This is at her wedding here in Salem, Ashley who still has a relationship with her as one of her first disciples, still has a relationship with Amanda, says, I want to come to your wedding. And we fly her out from Arizona to come to the wedding, and there she is, part of the family of God. And they've kept relationship all of these years. 
And Amanda, she just what loves Jesus. She's a nurse here in Salem. No one would put a sign on her that says missionary. But she's one. Because she's been called. She's been called to share and to explain. She's been called to share and explain so that more might come to faith in Christ with that message of Christ so that more might believe. And then the final picture. The final picture. There's the St. Louis family. When we met them, they had uh, two little guys, now three little guys, and they were telling us of their passion and vision for a, an orphanage for girls, girls that were orphans, some of them trafficked, some of them um, abandoned and abused, and then not only that, then they started a school. Not only that, then they started a church. And um, things get out of control when Jesus is involved. And a lot of the decisions they made, I'm just like, dude, that's crazy. Okay, I'll pray. I don't know how that works. Okay, it works. Because Jesus is involved. In many of these locations, you can partner. You can go with us. And so today, the challenge is, has your life been radically transformed? That's the first thing you need to ask yourself. Has your life been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? And if you're not sure, then let's re-examine, let's talk about what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ for salvation? If you believed but you're still not sure because maybe you have become stagnant or inside of you, you're rebellious in your heart or sometimes maybe you're confused. Let us explain and help disciple you so that you could get to the place where you are confident, vibrant, living the transformed life. Have you joined us in Salem or throughout the world in gospel sharing? This summer, once again, we are going to have opportunities to do gospel sharing at Camp Agape, mentoring with the UGM. We're also going to have another partnership with a church in town that we're going to do a Spanish VBS. We have our VBS here. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? And so I want to give you some instructions. Pastor Jessica made it very clear last Sunday that we uh, will continue to have the UGM here with information. There are two things that you could do there. Uh, one of them is pray. And then the other one is to consider how you would give towards them. One way of giving towards them is by supporting them monthly because they always have needs that are monthly needs. The other way of supporting them is by considering as they are preparing to launch a building project so that they have enough space to actually house homeless people they have the space that they need. And they have a program there that's called the New Life Program that men and women go through that are transformed. And the people in our community that are not believers think it's the best thing that someone could do. Right? How is that? So while we have an opportunity, before that changes, we need to get them a new building, some more discipleship, more preaching could happen because we will always have homeless people, but we want them not to just have a roof over their head. We want them transformed from the inside out. Also, you're going to see that we are having and hosting here May 24th a breakfast, just one hour. We need as many of you that could come and also bring your friends to hear about the goals 
that we have for Camp Agape, and Camp Agape is for children, boys and girls, who have one or both parents in prison. Their life is struggling. They come to camp for just four days. It's completely free for them, but we need lots of counselors. We need need lots of behind-the-scenes servants, and so number one thing you could do is go and get an invitation, pick up about four or five of them. You come here to this auditorium on May 24th for one hour for a free breakfast, listen to things, pray about it, bring friends with you, and if you want to give, give, but the main thing is I want to see, we want to see many people volunteering to be able to interact with these children. And so you can also get a card that gives you the dates of when that camp's going to happen. And then finally, on the west entrance right here in the foyer, you're going to see a booth there that has all of the trips for 2018, 19, and 20 so that you can begin to plan and pray which one you might go on. Just start asking questions. And if it seems remotely, if it's like impossible... That's the one you maybe should go on. I'm at 10.09. If I stay just another 30 seconds, 10.10, that means you all have 35 minutes to go and talk to those folks. So if you have been asked to go and host or to be around any of those tables, you are excused. And then I'm going to pray now. And I don't want anybody sneaking out. I want you asking questions I want you to fellowship with other people. And if you've gone on a missions trip before, you go stand over there and you start talking to people about what the Lord did on that trip in your heart and your mind. Okay? You be the testimony. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to go to your word. We thank you for the receptivity that you have given us in so many settings where we could go internationally. Thank you that we have had so many people here within the family of Salem Heights Church that have took the challenge, relied upon you, and we pray that we might realize where those next areas, where those next ventures for your sake would be in Jesus' name.